Welcome to The Leap. I'm Matthew, and with me is Micah. What's up, Micah? Yo, dude. It's March Madness, but we're still <laughs> talking NBA hoops. Dedication. Hashtag dedication. Hashtag key. Hashtag. Hashtag. So- I'm mad all year. Not just March. <laughs> anyway, each week we split the podcast into two parts. Second part of the podcast, we talk about players we think are making the leap. For the first part, though, we pick a game of the week that we both watch where we try to key in on the more obscure players and the not-quite-yet-NBA superstars. And then we come here to rap with each other about it. So that's where we're going to start. Uh, this week, we watched the Boston Celtics against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. The Thunder blew it out this week. Uh, it was 130-109. to 109. Why do we watch this game, Micah? Well, dude, just to see if Kevin Durant is going to Boston or not. No, <laughs> right. Like everyone, yeah, was waiting for this week, right? It was funny how that loomed so large over <laughs> this game, though. I, did, I guess I didn't realize that he was kind of at the top of, or they were at the top of his list. Is that is that where it's at right now? I don't know. I literally just heard something about it like a week ago, probably, about that being a possible destination for him because yeah. they just have so many things they can do with their team between picks and cap space. So that was the first I heard of it, quite honestly. The other funny thing about this game was how uh, large Jay Crowder loomed over the entire game. Okay, I'm saying, let's yeah, let's go just, right into him. Just right from the jump. You know, we've talked about him several times this year. We both really like him a lot. Yep. Reminiscent of, you know, Jimmy Butler a little bit. Yep. And also his rise this year. You know, we featured him on the leap a little bit early. But he really took that Jimmy Butler leap from a couple years ago where he started out the year and it's like, is this guy going to be able to stay on the uh-huh. court for the full game? Is he the best at his position, even on his own team? Yep. And now midway through the season, towards the end of the season, Jay Crowder is like their most important player by a lot. And they had an all-star player, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I think I think we're seeing, you know, people are asking like, because the Celtics have multiple quite above average players, but no superstars. And everyone likes to talk about who's the best player on their team. Because okay. I think you can make a case for Avery Bradley at times. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, um, I feel like they have a lot of below-average players. <laughs> They're the shortest team in the league, right? Yeah. Does at least I mean, with the guys does Isaiah Thomas kind of pull that down, though? Isaiah Thomas and uh, Sullinger, who's also <laughs> very undersized, I think. Yes, he is very undersized for his position uh, vertically. But, exactly. His shortness <laughs> of stature is offset by his... <laughs> His horizontal stature. Yes. (laughs) So, but to backtrack on Jay Crowder, so I think he has a high ankle sprain. So he's out a couple weeks. I have also had that injury. And um, yeah, so me and Jay. No, no. And it seems really kind of weak, but you just, you really can't walk on your ankle basically without an air cast or something going on. Mm -hmm. I did it in a Cov League. Do you remember that at all? It was a really bad one, right? Yeah, it was like the only Did time I've ever been injured. I'm not sure. I, I blacked that's out, the only so I don't time know. You've no. ever been injured, dude? That, that's it. Yeah. Oh. In in huh. a like way like yeah. But I remember it, Jesse like having to help walk me down the stairs yeah. of Cov League and then back up the stairs to our dorm room. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. It's crazy. See, oh. I'm like the injury king, so I really? can't relate. Yeah, I get oh. injured all the time. Mm, poor you. But anyway, so Jay Crowder's out two weeks. You know, we've talked about this before, too. He doesn't have stats that blow you away. 
uh, 14 and a half points a game, 45% field goal shooting, 35% three-point shooting, five rebounds a game, a couple assists a game. But this is making very clear that he is the most important person on his team. And we've talked about it. One of the most important players in basketball, I think. Uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about these kind of shadow MVP people that are gaining more prominence, like Kawhi and Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. And I think this proves that point a little bit more now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like Draymond a little bit. You know, yeah, the guy Draymond. that's sort of, you know, obviously, well, whatever, not to get into that. But yeah, just the guy that gives them sort of their offensive, at the very least, well, offensive and defensive mindset with Jay Crowder. Yep. But, you know, he kind of like is the expression of what the coach wants at all times, you know. So they've lost the last five of six games. They went from third in the East to sixth in the East in the playoff race. It's funny, just the loss of him, how tentative all their players play, kind of. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that at all. I thought, I thought that was their team identity more than Jay Crowder's identity that's pushed on the rest of them. Dude, that's exactly what I thought this whole year, which is why I was kind of slow to realize that Crowder is so good. Because I just thought like, oh, well, this is the, you know, the style of team that they run. And yeah. maybe they could plug in lots of different people to do that. Yeah. But I think that shows you that Brad Stevens is basically only playing guys that play his quote unquote right way, yeah. you know? Yep. So then the other guys come in and they're not, you know, it's just the hierarchy is maybe not as established when you have to switch up the lineups. I was very surprised, like, watching their young guys, the Celtics young guys play. James Young, who's a second-year player. Terry Rozier, who's a rookie. RJ Hunter, one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's a rookie. They looked very uncomfortable and scared, and I thought about it, and they, they should because they, they haven't played it all this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of surprising on a team that has a lack of superstars that more bench people like them haven't at least gotten spot minutes in important games at least see i was thinking this exact same thing and i guess i kind of thought that maybe the trade-off from brad stevens the coach is that yeah it's like well you're not okay you've got all these young guys who could all be pretty good they're all kind of at the same place in their career so you could either choose to develop everyone equally and Mm -hmm. see who distinguishes themselves or send a message to everyone saying like okay well i'm only going to play the one or two guys uh who are playing like i say exactly like you yep. know i want right because yep. then that tells everyone else that okay this is the program this we're on. We're gonna do it yep yeah yeah they i mean even with the game experience they've had just in the last week they've gotten a little bit better at least rj Hunter and yeah. terry rozier uh uh friday against toronto rj was three for three he had two threes eight points terry rozier three for four and they actually were playing meaningful minutes too uh the celtics Are- were only down five going into the fourth quarter did you watch some of that game I went back and watched the fourth quarter last oh, night. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, RJ also had two critical turnovers in the fourth when it was a close game. Mm. So, yeah, his shooting stats were pretty good, yeah. uh, which is the main thing you want from him. But he yeah. also had three turnovers in limited minutes. And yeah. like I say, two two important ones. So, so yeah, it's just up, going to be up and down basically while Crowder's out. I have to reiterate at this point, RJ Hunter is one of my favorite players in the NBA. <laughs> He is my somehow heir to Steph Curry. Uh, so we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna vote by myself there. But well, I will say so. We're t- the counterpoint to this is that at least in the first quarter of this game, this OKC Boston game, yeah. Um, 
it was pretty impressive though how they at least came out attacking the offensive glass. So Boston? even though Boston, yeah, okay. exactly. Um, they had several putbacks in the first quarter, and you know, OKC. We were talking about Boston is the smallest team in the league. OKC is definitely the biggest, mm-hmm. um, but they were still getting sort of out hustled at oh, least. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so at least even though maybe it's a little bit inconsistent with the younger players for Boston, it's clear that that's like, yeah, even though they don't have big players, they still kind of are attacking the loose balls. Yeah. So they're able to create those loose ball opportunities either way. I do take issue with people going after Donovan for his lineup so far this Here year. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Defend your boy. Yeah, so I'm definitely a Donovan lover as well. I would say if this was his third or fourth year in the league and he had the same group of players, then yeah, there's not as much need for experimentation with your lineup. But this is his first year. He's trying to get the bench units to not basically look to Durant and Westbrook uh, to, to, to fill in all the details on offense and defense. So he's letting them play without those guys earlier in the season. Now he's starting to layer them in there a little bit better. But uh, I like the experimentation because you want to know what all the options are on the table for your team. That's definitely true. But I, the reason I guess people have been critical of him is because it seems like he most like, which obviously Durant and Westbrook, incredible, usually play together. Yeah. But he plays uh, lots of lineups without either of them, right? Which yeah. that's, that's the main criticism of him. Complicating things is the fact that they're, I don't know, I guess he comes off the bench a lot of times, maybe one of their best bench players or like second tier scorers after those two guys, Dion Waiters. Yep. His brother just got shot murdered like a week ago right yeah yeah. so now that's not helping his you know now Deion waiters is looking even more ghostly than maybe he was earlier in the year just kind of drifting yeah this Uh, game was his first game back from exactly four games off after yeah 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 and he was into it i just mean you know that's definitely hurting the whole you know organizational structure plus i want to ask you this uh the fact that donovan has lost now monty williams is not coaching anymore one of his main assistants. And, you know, Donovan, this is his first year in the league, right? So he lost Monty Williams for the year, and now Mo Cheeks yep. is out with hip surgery, right? Yep. So that's like his two main guys who are, gonna, you know, longtime NBA coaches, NBA players, um, who were going to be his, like, NBA liaisons, essentially, yep. right? Because the rest of his coaching staff is all college guys. So I'm just wondering how that much that's hurting him. Think? I think that's huge, too. Yeah, those right. are the guys on the bench that sit to his left and right. Right. Um, and they're basically the people that he leans on the most, and they're just not there. That would hurt for any coach to lose his first, you know, his lead assistant, but especially a college coach transitioning to the NBA in the first year. I think that does hurt a lot. It'll be interesting, though, because they're going into the playoffs, obviously, as like one of the best teams, but still such a wild card. But yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So in a weird way, we've talked about this in the past. They have the hugest team in the league, but they don't play slow. They still try to play fast, Mm -hmm. which is why they look disjointed sometimes, you know. Um, But in a perverse way, now it's hard for opposing teams to game plan them Mm -hmm. because they're versatile, which we know in the playoffs is the whole game. You know, making these tiny adjustments from game to game in a seven game series is so huge. Exactly. Um, So I could see them being like basically surprisingly excellent in the playoffs. Good, good. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll just attribute it all to Donovan, and that'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> right. Oh, I like Marcus Smart, even though he's not very good. Yeah, he's I having a bad time shooting right now. But, really bad time. Yeah. He had a tough game. What was he, like, one for ten the last time I checked? What did he, I don't know what he finished at, but 
Theoretically, though, I think he's a good complement to Isaiah Thomas, and I like their little combo thing because yep. Isaiah's all offense, Marcus is all defense and attack. Yep. So let's leap, dude. Wee! <laughs> dude. Okay. So uh, I don't know if we already did Victor Oladipo for the leap this year. I don't, I don't think, think so. we did. Mm. Did you see his 45-point game from last night? No, I had no idea. Dude, he shot 16 for 22 from last at last night against uh, Cleveland. Yeah. And he had 45 points? 45 points, which he says is a lifetime high, okay? Oh, my god. He's never even had 45 in high school, which for a guy at this level who was taken number two overall in the draft two years ago, that's pretty surprising that he never had a 45-point game before. Hmm. Um. But yeah, Victor Oladipo, a.k.a. Mr. 540, a.k.a. Spongebob, <laughs> apparently. He nicknamed himself Spongebob because he had picked up so much new info over the past. Like, he had learned so much in the past year. So oh, he called himself deep. Spongebob. Yeah, right? Um, but the thing, so yeah, so over the last week, uh, he's been putting up 27.8. So this is part of a larger trend. He shot 61% from the floor over the last week, 63% from the three-point line, uh, which, you know, that's almost 15 to 20 points above his season average. So he's definitely having a hot week. But uh, what I wanted to point out about him is that because Orlando has been rebuilding the past few years, and he's their only kind of interesting player they've had, they were trying to force him to create a lot. He had the ball in his hands a lot, uh, which he's not. He wasn't a super polished offensive player. Anyway, this year, his block percentage has doubled from last year. Mm. His rebound percentage is up two points. Uh, his usage percentage is down two points. Uh, and his turnovers are also down. So basically, um, because they now have you know Aaron Gordon, Mario Hazonia, Fournier, some other reliable perimeter players, um, they're putting the ball in his hand a little bit less but also turning him loose a little bit more on mm. the stuff that he's great at because yep. he's really athletic. And this is kind of what I've been thinking he should be doing anyway. But yeah, he's picking up way more rebounds, steals, blocks, loose balls. Um, and in turn, that's feeding his offensive game. Yep. He's shooting much more confidently because he's basically able to play to his strengths. Yep. Um, so yeah, Victor Oladipo. It's kind of hard to, like looking at the 2013 draft now, he's like, head and shoulders above everyone else out of that draft. You know, Anthony Bennett went number one. Trey Burke, who we've talked about as being bad, uh, was also taken in the top 10. Yeah. Um, it's Depot's... pretty much him and Noel, right? And Alex Lend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and uh, CJ McCollum, too. Yeah, Ooh. he's the other one. Yeah. 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 And he's a guy, too, like that, you know, because he's so athletic and attacking on defense, he could kind of settle in and just be like a pretty so like we're talking about Drake Crowder, right? He could just be like a solid dude like that, right? Mm -hmm. But he's really, really stepped up, you know, the parts of his game that were weak. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he could probably be an all-star next year, potentially. Speaking of another 40-plus point game, uh, making the leap this week it also is... Oganovich? <laughs> yeah man i was gonna say it right too <laughs> i don't even think that's how you say it but anyway yeah uh bogdanovich from the nets do you know how to say the first name no it's like no tell me i believe it's bojan bojan okay yeah, yeah but could i be. could be wrong there too as well yeah. but yeah he made a leap this week he scored a career high 44 points 
Yeah. P.S. against the Sixers, but that's okay. <laughs> so Bogdanovich is a guy from Croatia. He's six eight. He's like a shooting guard and small forward. Basically, what you would picture in 2014, the Nets signed him to a three-year, $10 million contract. This is the most points in a game since the Nets moved to Brooklyn. Only 18 people this year have had over 40 points a game uh, before wow. him. <clears throat> Isn't that That's a surprising. small group? Yeah. It seems like there's been lots of huge games this year, but I guess it's only by a handful of guys. Yeah, when I was going through the list, it's not many people. Uh, it's Stephen Harden. Basically, Steph Curry and James Harden have double-digit 40-point games. Dave Lillard. Yeah, a lot a lot from DeMarcus, kind of. Yeah, DeMarcus, it's, it's too. It's basically Stephen Harden with over 10 of them, and then it's down to people that have it over four times, like Lillard, you know, DeMarcus and all such. Pretty impressive, yeah. Although I think his birthplace is listed as Yugoslavia. So I don't know if he if he claims Croatia or not, you know. I hate you. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, up <okay>. next. <laughs> All right. So my next leap, uh, this is a little bit of a smaller leap, but very impressive though to me still. Shelvin Mack, aka yeah. Big Mac, aka Mac Daddy, aka Shelvy. Apparently Andre Blatch nicknamed him Shelvy when they played together okay. in Washington. Um. I mean, whatever nickname Blatch is given to you is stick it. That's the one. Exactly. Yes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so Utah's on a four-game winning streak since we covered them last week where they got destroyed uh, by Golden State. Um, over those last four games, Shelvin has put up 18.3 points, 5.8 rebounds, 8 assists. He's come two rebounds short of triple doubles in the past week. Um, shooting 55% from the floor, 61% from three. This is a dude who has uh, just got traded to Utah from uh, Atlanta about, let's see, 14 games now he's been with Utah. So we've talked about how Utah, they're a big team. They run a slower style. Point guard is crucial for what the, they're trying to do. And yet, like we talked about, Trey Burke, who is their guy who they were hoping would be their point guard, they haven't had any solid point guards, uh -uh. basically. So Shelvin, even though he's been there for 14 games, he's really coming through, and uh, it's just kind of interesting because he's the exact style that they want. Trey Burke is more of like a, you know, create shots, break them down off the dribble, that two type of dude, attacking point guard a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Shelvin, so yeah, over the past six games, he's only shot free throws in one of those games. <laughs> so basically, he's just never attacking the hoop, yeah. always playing that, you know, because they run these intricate sets, right, on offense. Um, and so that's what they need out of a point guard. Uh, but he's shooting great. Um, and also, over the last four games, his plus-minus has been a combined plus-74. Uh, so over the last four games, they're outscoring the other team by almost 20 points on average when he's on the floor. Wow. Which I don't put a lot of stock in plus-minus because there's yeah. so many other factors that go into it. Yep. Except for when it's like eye popping like this. Exactly. You know? Yep. So, yeah, I think he's, um, I don't know. They're really uh, still kind of figuring out their whole team structure, but he seems to be pretty important for them. So he's fitting in perfectly for Utah because of the style of player that he mm -hmm. is, which is exactly why he had been completely an afterthought and sent to the D League in Atlanta because Atlanta needs a point guard that's more like Jeff Teague, more like Dennis Schrader, yep. guys who are fast breaking their defender down off the dribble, creating opportunities. Yep. Um, 
So that's exactly the opposite of what he is. <laughs> totally, totally agree. He's perfect for that system. Um, and they're playing well. And I, yeah, hopefully they can make that eighth seed because I would like mm. to see a, a first round series of them against Golden State. I think that would be fun. Contrasting styles, you know? Yeah, because we watched Golden State in the Jazz last week. That was our game of the week. And we didn't get to see as much of that as we wanted. At least I didn't get to see well, Gobert at the end of a game. Kind of to see how those contrasting styles actually looked on the same court together. But we talked about it too in the game last week, but that's a huge part of that is because they were without Rodney Hood, yeah. who then came back the next game and then two games later put up 30 points on Cleveland mm. on Monday and, yeah. you know, basically took over that game and beat Cleveland. Yeah. So, I don't know, Utah, spoiler. When you think of a good, good player, bad team, good stats, bad team guy, you think of person whose team is not doing well um necessarily a person that doesn't necessarily make his teammates better and i'm starting to get this weird feeling that jimmy butler is making the leap into that category i don't think overall in a year or two years or whatever <laughs> this is gonna look insane but when he's on the court i don't know that he makes anyone else around him better specifically on offense he dominates the ball to a maddening degree and isolates and no one else basically touches the ball on offense basically yeah. for the whole 24 second clock yeah and he's calling for the ball all the time and stopping whatever flow of offense they've had and i don't know they're just not a good team right now they've had a lot of injuries but i don't believe he's lifting the other players to another level on his team i, I would think he's holding them down in a certain way actually dude it's kind of disappointing i know because that was the whole thing with derrick rose too he was doing the exact same thing yeah. the last this season last season for sure bogging down the offense so we're just blessed with two dudes who are <laughs> like this but they're also both talented enough to kind of not see that that's the problem you know what yeah I mean? <laughs> that's an interesting yeah but I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's the only part that's a little bit disappointing with Jimmy is that he's kind of, it's just a really bad situation with the team. Totally, their players are just not right for Fred Hoiberg's style. We've talked about this. Yep. But uh, I don't know. Jimmy doesn't seem to be rising above that. You know what I mean? He yep. seems to be succumbing to that, right? Yeah. And re realizing that, like, I don't know. Yeah, he's it, that, like, his game is just not going to mesh with the system, but still trying to force his way i don't know yeah he, you know, we saw i think he had the 50 plus point game earlier this season that was just freaking amazing watching it but that only happened that time really there's these other games that people don't talk about that it feels like he's regressed a little bit yeah, yeah. and a weight on everyone else basically right. dragging them down to the I don't really have much analysis on this because it's been so depressing to see this <laughs> this season from both of these guys, Derek and Jimmy, yeah. uh, that I've been trying not to analyze it, if anything. <laughs> Smart. So let's move on. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, you're, you're right on everything. Mm. I think he'll be I think like I don't see it as he's becoming some other type of player who's selfish or taking, you know, short sighted or whatever it is. I just think it's because of this season. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, if you want to support The Leap, you can subscribe uh, or leave a nice review on iTunes. We're going to see you guys next week. Bye. Later.